Do you have any advice on finding the right opportunities? I think patience. Um, so one of the things is I wanted to start my own business, but I I didn't know how that opportunity was going to come across or when or what it was going to look like. So I just learned. I just learned and just waited and kept my kept my eyes open and didn't give up. So when the opportunity did come across my path, I felt prepared and I was able to capitalize on it. Are you, by any chance, trying to say that you think this business of yours is important? That's exactly the way I feel about it. Emily Kincaid is like an older sister. My mom has always said that she is the trailblazer for all of us girls. Since I was a little girl, I've looked up to her. I watched her graduate high school, move away for college, graduate college, and keep on crushing it. She sets the bar high, but also illustrates what's possible. We all need an Emily Kincaid in our life. During this episode, Emily tells us the story of how she broke into the oil field industry and eventually started her own business, Elevate Energy Services. Fast forward to today, she and her business partner employ nearly 100 people and gross $15 million in annual revenue. This interview is packed with inspiration. Ready? Let's dig in. Thanks for joining, Emily. I'm so excited to talk with you and hear the story of how you started your business, Elevate Energy, and how you've grown it to $15 million in annual revenue. Um, would you kick off by telling me what your company does and the role you play? Yeah, definitely. And I, you make my introduction so flattering. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, uh, okay. So what was the question? What do I do? <laughs> yeah. So, um, what, yes. What is, what is your company and what, what role do you play? Oh, okay. So my company is called Elevate Energy Services. We're an off-field service company based in Greeley, Colorado. Um, and we just manage water for fracking, water logistics, and finding it and getting it to frac pads. We we manage all of that. That's awesome. It sounds um, – I know nothing about that. <laughs> it sounds like it was maybe really hard to get into. So how did you get started in the oil field industry? It is really specialized, and it's not something that my heart was set on. You know, I went to school. I went to CSU, and I I did choose marketing as a major, and I kind of pictured myself in something more glamorous, <laughs> like maybe fashion or something else. But um, I'm I couldn't be happier with where I'm at. I I love it. It is in my blood. It's in my heart. I love what I do. Um, and I got into it because my dad was in oil and gas. He did the same thing. He, he really pioneered it as it became needed, uh, in Grand Junction. He started his business in the nineties and, and sold it in 2011. And, um, I learned so much from him and that's how I got into it. That's awesome. So, um, from what I understand, you started your career at a, a company that was formerly your dad's and they did oil field services. What did you do there? Right. So I did marketing. I graduated from CSU in the marketing department. Well, I guess it was business with an emphasis in marketing and I, uh, my, um, other major was economics. 
And so I was doing marketing for them. And uh, specifically, I focused on rebranding. They were, at the time, acquiring a lot of companies. And I would go out and I would meet with the business owner, wherever that company was, and build a rebranding plan um, so that they could get rebranded as Rockwater. I got to travel. It was so it was such a fun time in my life. I was a new grad, and I got to travel all over the U.S. From I, I went to Canada, I went to Texas, I went to um, Pennsylvania, I went to Oklahoma. I mean, I got to travel a lot and meet with business owners and entrepreneurs. It was um, it was a fun time in my career. What was something that you were, um, that you learned during those experiences? I mean, it's so, it's really interesting to be able to talk to business owners and entrepreneurs. I mean, that's what I'm doing, you know, right now talking to you. I learned so much. So what were some of the things that you learned, um, during, during those, during that period of time? Everybody was so, every business owner was so different. Um, and they were all just, you know, you could tell everybody respected them so much in their office. And so you just, they, you just came in feeling just humbled and ready to just, you know, meet their needs. And I don't know, I, I I can't think of one thing off the top of my head that I that I learned from them. But I just remember feeling fortunate and <laughs> just happy to know them. You know? <laughs> yeah, maybe inspired a little bit, or um... totally inspired. Yeah, that's awesome. So you also, um, when you were working at Rockwater, this was like the start of your career. So did you make it a, did you know at this point you wanted to start a business in the oil fields? Um, what did that look like for you? I did. I totally did. Um, my, my dad started his business. I saw him do that. I, my grandmother is an entrepreneur. She owned, like, two clothing stores in Grand Junction. She runs a fruit stand in Grand Junction. She, um, she's, she, she was, I think she was the first woman on the, um, like, commerce, like, Grand Junction City of Commerce. Like, she was the first woman member. Like, she's, she's very inspirational. Um, I always knew I wanted to own my own business. That's why I chose marketing as my major. I thought whatever I did, as long as I could learn to sell it, I would be successful. Um, uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, at, so did you make it a point to learn everything you could in this industry while you were there in the marketing department? Or um, what were some of the things you did to to kind of plant the seed and, and grow in that industry? I knew I had a lot to learn, and I – my my daily decisions were rooted in I want to run my own business and so I'm going to learn as much as I can. I didn't have kids. I I took on everything. I mean, someone would mention that they maybe needed something and I would just instantly offer to take care of it. And I learned so much doing that and I met the C-suite in Houston from doing that. I I never turned down an opportunity to learn, and I certainly put in more hours than everybody else, um, but I didn't mind. It, it didn't – I mean, yes, there's a grind to work, right? I mean, there's – there's everybody has that 2 p.m., got to grind through the next three hours and get the hard stuff done, like, sure. But um, it didn't – wasn't any harder than anybody else, I don't think. It was so worth it for me. 
That's awesome. Um, so what was next? You're in the marketing department. You're helping rebrand all these companies all over the United States and in Canada. Um, did you start your company or what was the next step? Well, they quit acquiring companies. And so then it was just maintenance. So I was like building flyers and updating the website and, um, I don't know, boring stuff. I got bored once they quit doing acquisitions. And I could see that if I could move into sales, that I would gain a lot more knowledge. I would meet the customers. I would have a closer contact with our field hands. And um, it would really position me in a better place to start my own business. Um, and so I asked. I, I think it was 2014. I said, hey, I'm bored. I want to move into sales. And I was young. I was in my 20s, mid-20s. And it, I was immediately met with, um, you know, no one thought I could do it. Uh, my region VP at the time really pigeonholed me and told me that, um, well, he didn't want me to move into sales. It was actually my marketing manager because I was like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably quit. Like I am bored out of my mind. I'm done. I've learned everything I can learn. Either I move into sales or I'm leaving. And so he told my region VP that my that I was a good worker and they really should give me an opportunity. And my region VP um, didn't want to do it, uh, so he pigeonholed me into, well, you can sell this one product. And we had like a line of five five things. And um, he's only he's like, you can only sell this one thing, and you can't call on any of these customers, only these customers. And then I didn't get anything the other salespeople got. I didn't get a truck, a pickup truck. I didn't get a company card with the same limits. I, I didn't get anything. And I um, was so frustrated because I wanted to sell all the services. I had art, I had learned everything. I had worked for my dad in high school, uh, learning a bunch of stuff. And then through marketing and doing all the marketing materials, I had learned, like I knew I could sell it. And um, so I just, I just disobeyed to be frank. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to sell everything. And I did. And, uh, my second year in sales, I made President Circle. I was uh, in the top five in the whole company for revenue generated. And the company was worth um, $3 billion. I mean, it was a big company. Whoa. I made President Circle. I sold $30 million in revenue. Um, I kicked butt. I kicked butt. I totally made him eat his words. I And I had this... I still... I remember... They hired a second salesperson right after I moved into sales. They gave him a pickup truck, and I i was young and immature, but it set me off. I called my region VP in tears, and I was like, I am driving my personal crappy pickup truck from college for all, all of my work, and then you hire someone that has never worked here, and you give them a brand-new work truck. I was I remember crying, like, this isn't fair. I Like, give me what? everybody else is getting. <laughs> right. And um yeah, yeah, I had to fight for it. I had to fight for my position in sales. I had to fight fight for my truck. Yeah. But I got it. Yeah, so two questions. Why don't you think uh why do you think that they thought you couldn't do it? And then two, what was your secret? How did you do it? I mean you ended up top five in the company. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't think they thought I could do it because I'm telling you, 95% of oil field salespeople are middle-aged or older men. 
and 95% of decision makers are middle-aged older men, at least especially at this time. I, I think things have changed now to 2021, but 2013, 2014, and I can see how, you know, in their position um, is our mid-20-year-old salesperson going to be able to do any sales and gain any respect from this demographic that she's targeting? Um and I, I wasn't worried about it, and I can see that now in hindsight. But at the time, I was like, well, I know. I, I've learned so much. Like, whether they um, give me the initial, like, respect or not, I know once I'm in their office that I can speak intelligently about it and deliver. Like, I had the confidence in my skill set. And so um, I totally used it to my advantage. I would call, and people were just, you know, um, they want to know what I look like. I sound young. I'm female. Does she, they want to know if I know what I'm talking about. They want to know if I'm just a pretty face trying to get work. They, people were curious. And I think I got, I know I got more meetings because of it. And because I knew what I was doing and I worked hard, I closed more deals than my male counterparts. I just, more doors were open to me. And then I took advantage of it once I got in the door. Uh, that's so awesome. I love how you turned, like, the challenge into um, basically, like, the overcome, like, overcame the challenge and just and just took it and ran with it. That's so cool. Um, All it so, was was keeping my eyes open for opportunities. It's not even, like, a consciously looking for the positive. It's just having an eye for an opportunity and capitalizing on it. How are you, how do you do that? I mean, I, I've heard that, but sometimes I feel like it's, it can be difficult to find the right opportunity. Do you have any advice on finding the right opportunities? I think patience. Um, so one of the things is I wanted to start my own business, but I, I didn't know how that opportunity was going to come across or when or what it was going to look like. So I just learned. I just learned and just waited and kept my kept my eyes open and didn't give up. So when the opportunity did come across my path, I felt prepared and I was able to capitalize on it. So I think just patience. Um, That's great. Patience and then keeping your eyes open. That's really good. That's an amazing segue into uh, how you did start Elevate. What was that opportunity? Um, what did that process look like? Right. So I did sales from 14, 2014 to 2017. I made so many contacts over that time. I out-hustled. I mean, I feel like I out-hustled my competitors. I guess I don't know that I did. But I worked overtime. I knew everybody. I networked the heck out of my life for those few years. I I ended up um, growing with Rockwater. I was the region sales manager. I had a sales team, and um, I, so I got to know other regions besides Colorado. I made connections in North Dakota and California, Wyoming, Utah. Um, it really, I really made a lot of networking connections. And so I just held on to that and, uh, you know, I kept asking for promotions. I kept wanting to grow. I keep want, you know, want to grow my career. I want to learn more. And, um, once I was region manager for the sales team, the next logical step would be region VP for the Rockies region. And, um, 
I, I started asking for it like I did everything else. And, yeah, you know, you don't have enough finance. You don't know enough about this. You're not ready. Um, you know, the Rockwater just wasn't ready for me, I think, to step into that role. Uh, that's the feeling I got. And so um, I started to get frustrated once again, like I did when I moved from marketing into sales. And I was like, okay, well, maybe now I take my knowledge and my contacts and I I start my own thing. Maybe now's the time. Um, and and it was. And so I, I quit and I uh, brokered some water deals, which didn't take any money up front. Um and I made a little bit of money and uh, just maybe divine intervention, I don't know. But within six months of me quitting, Rockwater, the company I was working for, sold to their biggest competitor, which was insane. I would have never seen that coming. The, and, and when a competitor buys out another large competitor in any market, it shakes everything up, right? Um, there's customers that Rockwater had that didn't want to work for that new competitor. There was guys that wanted to quit that worked there. And uh, it was just the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm. I had customers calling me saying, we miss working with you. Can, do you want to start your own? Like, well, you can have our pumping work, you know, if you can, if you feel like you can do it. Like I had, I mean, it was just a perfect storm. Um, and that's when I brought on my partner, Craig, and uh, eight guys came with him and we did our first pumping job. Ah, that's awesome. Um, how did you choose your partner and what made you like what made you pick him? So this is probably goes back to the um just keeping in the back of my mind my overall goal for the for the years that I was working. So I met Craig in I wanna say twenty thirteen. He worked for Rockwater and he's brilliant and I know that I'm good at sales. I can put everything, you know, I can manage HR. I can manage safety. I can manage finance. I can manage sales. But what I cannot manage and what I don't know how to do is I don't know how to start a pump. I don't know how to install a pipeline. I don't know how to connect two valves together. I barely know the difference between a male and a female <laughs> connection. There's <laughs> there's an operational aspect to what I do that's essential. And I knew, I've always known that I needed the right partner to manage the operation portion of the business that I wanted to have. And so I've constantly kept my eye out for that right person. And Craig is brilliant. I cannot say enough wonderful things about him. And I recognize that from the beginning. And so um, just like anything else, I, I worked hard to gain his respect and build a business friendship and help him out the best I could. Um, and so when the time came and I planted little seeds with him through the years, like, like, can you imagine owning your own business? Imagine, you know, this and this and the liberties it would give you. And I was planting these little seeds in his mind. (laughs) (laughs) And so I quit and I I was constantly like texting him, when are you going to quit? Come work with me. Come work with me. You'd be such a good fit, you know. Um, And ultimately it came down to his wife, bless her heart. They have like five kids that they have to support. And he's like, I can't leave this good paying job to just jump in with this new venture that you started, Emily. Like, that's insane. You have no kids. You don't understand. Right. And 
I, I met with him and his wife several times, and when I was able to win over his wife is when he decided to pull the trigger and come work with me. So That's I'm thankful great. to her and him, and I I know that they're happy with their decision. <laughs> so I've heard both fairy tales and horror stories about partnerships. Um, what advice would you offer someone thinking about going into a partnership or or doing something like what you did? My dad was really helpful with this. So he's been in both good and bad partnerships, and he thinks that most partnerships fail. He believes that you need to prepare for your partnership to fail because most of them do. And it was incredibly frustrating, but I I did everything he told me to do. And the best thing that we did was have an operating agreement established up front. So my advice would be if you're getting into a business partnership, Use a lawyer and have an operations agreement negotiated up front. Have everything written, and your lawyer will know the pain points and the things that you need to negotiate up front because I promise you, you don't want to be negotiating what percentage of the business you own three years down the road when someone stops showing up to work every day, you know? Yeah. No kidding. That could be that could be really challenging. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it sounds like you didn't have to go through that challenge, but you started your business, you were getting all these contracts, you had that perfect storm, um, but I'm sure that there were some like challenging experiences to starting that business. Um, what was something that you experienced um, that you had to overcome when you started your business? Hmm. Um, I Financing was really tough when we first started. Um, No one wants to lend you money. They will lend you money in exchange for a share in your business. But if you're not wanting to give away a portion of your business, which I wasn't, it is close to impossible to get a loan. Um, People just don't do it. It's too risky. I don't know how to explain it. I, I really was naive about it. I thought, well, heck, we'll pay you 20% like interest. Like, I'm sure we're going to get the money in three months once the job's over. And I have a signed contract from my customer. And here's the cost. And here's the margins. And here's this 30-page business plan I put together. And no one cares. They would just look at me like, tough luck, kid. <laughs> Right. So um, financing was an unforeseen challenge. Um, so I want to talk a, a little bit about the time you were denied a loan because you couldn't drive the piece of equipment. Do you, do you want to get into what that process looked like and how, um, and how you solved that problem? Yes. So we were financing a Bobcat uh, skid steer. It was $100,000. We'd been in business for a year. Um, we employed at the time maybe 18 people, um, or maybe less than a year. It might have been seven months or something, but, uh, my partner Craig was shopping for a house and so he didn't want to apply for the loan for the $100,000 good there because he didn't want to hurt his credit. We had no other debt. We had zero debt. We, as a company, had no debt and me personally, my credit score is in the high sevens. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't have a car. I, I didn't have hardly any debt. Um, and I applied for the loan. Um, 
and I was denied. It was through Wells Fargo. I was denied because based on my resume, they believed I couldn't operate the skids there. And I was incredibly frustrated. Um, I employ 18 people that can operate a skid steer. And you never even asked me if I could operate a skid steer. You didn't give me the option to take a class to operate a skid steer. You, I met all of the qualifications. My credit score was fine, but you're denying me because I can't operate a skid steer. And I just, uh, that was the first time in my professional career that I felt truly discriminated against. It just was insane to me. So uh, my partner ended up having to apply, and, and he got approved instantly. He didn't provide any proof that he could drive his good steer. <laughs> so it just was. That was the super. first time I felt discriminated against, for sure. Super, super frustrating. Um, well, you're in an industry dominated by men. It sounds like you've taken the bull by the horns, and you've really experienced a lot of advantages by being a woman. Um, are there any other like incidences where you have felt advantaged or disadvantaged because of your gender? Um, I had forgotten about this, uh, but you mentioned it before the call. Um, last year, late last year, I was invited to join um, a group of entrepreneurs. So there's these people they put together these like. This is all, you know, every city has them. It's like these entrepreneurs get together and then they help each other solve business problems. And so there's these companies that put um, these groups together and they find local business owners, they recruit you, and then you pay like a yearly amount and you join this this group and, you know, help each other. So this guy reaches out to me, um, which they ha- it happens all the time, but this one specifically caught my eye because it was local and like the owner was reaching out to me, which I liked. And I was starting, I'm starting to think it would be nice to have a group of entrepreneurs, uh, that I could bounce my business problems off of. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll consider. And he goes, okay, well, I'll hook you up with the chapter chair and, um, and we'll go from there. And I, I met with the chapter chair and when he, I met with him in person. And when we got done with our lunch, he was like, you know, I really don't think you're a good fit. Um, I have something else. It has another, it has a female on it. Um, it's for lower cap uh, businesses. It was for businesses that were making like, I don't know, $200,000 a year. And I was, uh, I was like, okay, so these, this other group, which I find out later is all men, um, it, it has a cap of what my business is making. I wasn't a good fit, and I'm I'm sure it's because I was a, a younger female. I guess I'm not sure, but it, it's just a I sense that that was what happened. What was the um, what was the cap for that level? Uh, I think it was between ten and twenty million. Nice. The other yeah. Well, so anyways, you're crushing it, so they're lost. <laughs> but, um, how did you how did you get to this point? I mean, in what four years you've grown to fifteen million dollars in revenue. Um, do you have a secret sauce? Like, uh, tell me what you think. I have to just credit um, my partner and the team that we have here and our customers. I. Um, you know, I wish I could take take credit for it, but man, we we have LA has such a good team. Um, 
Craig is a mastermind when it comes to finding solutions for our customers, which has um, in turn brought on very loyal customers. And he's a wonderful leader. And so we have really low turnover. Um, and then the other secret, <laughs> secret recipe would be that we've reinvested 100% of our profits. So um, we, you know, say we make $5 million in profit, that $5 million is going to assets so that we can make $10 million on the next time. I mean, we were, we have had insane growth because we have reinvested everything. The alternative would be paying yourself more or um, what right. else would you would, – yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of business owners, when they start making money, I think – and it's fine. Either way is fine. I mean, there's – there's a struggle and uh, there's risk to doing what we're doing. I mean, if oil and gas goes away, our equipment, we have $7 million in assets. And if oil and gas goes away, it's so specialized for what we do, it's not going to be worth $7 million. It's it's a risky place to put our money. But um, neither one of us are in it to be to have mansions. We're both in it because we love it. And I love growing a business. I love being competitive. I love my Elevate family and growing the team here. And um, I tell Craig all the time, he's like, so what's our plan? And I'm like, we're going to take over the world. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to do. I want to grow a big company. I want to do well. I enjoy enjoy it. That's great. How do you battle the the ups and downs of the market? Is that scary for you? Because I know... Um, oil and gas can be a pretty volatile um, market to be in. What is that like? Yeah. It's incredibly scary. And <laughs> the pandemic was terrifying. Um, we, during the pandemic, we expanded our service into pumping sewage. So um, that's always been on our, we do yearly five-year and 10-year goals every year, Craig and I, for the business. And it's always been in our goals to do sewage pumping and other stuff outside of oil and gas. But we've honestly been so busy in oil and gas that we have not come up for air. Like, like we just were way too busy and the margins were too good <laughs> to focus on anything else. So the pandemic allowed us to slow down and, excuse me, really expand our business. So we... um uh, so that's what we're doing. We're diversifying our revenue uh, into other things. I just exactly. got certified as a woman-owned business in, for the city of Denver, which has opened so many doors. We're getting a job. You know, uh, we've got jobs with the city of Denver, city of Loveland, city of Fort Collins, all because of that woman-owned certification, which was so worth it. That's great. Another advantage to being a woman. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah, I would recommend any if you are woman owned or minority owned, um, work on getting your certifications. They're incredibly painful and hard to do, but they will pay off. What does that entail? How do you how did you do that? Lexi, those the city of Denver, I'm pretty sure wanted the blood of my firstborn. It was <laughs> so hard. It was so hard to get that certification. Um, but uh, the state of Colorado doesn't offer it, which is weird. But um, you get it through the city of Denver. And then I've found that most places in the West 
accept a city of Denver certification as if it was a Colorado certification. So um, it, it was a lot of work. You just need to prove – you basically have to prove that you own the business and you do the work, um, and you're not just sitting at home calling yourself woman-owned, you know, which is a lot to do, but it's worth it. Got it. So kind of wrapping up here, I have a couple more questions for you. I wanted to touch on your nonprofit, your volunteer experience. Can you tell me a little bit bit more about where you volunteer and what it means to you? Yes. um, I, in my life, I have felt a pull to start my own business. And as I've gotten that off the ground, my heart has been pulled in a different direction, um, which is philanthropy. And so I started getting involved in some local things. Um, One of my most favorite things is the Women's Fund of Weld County. And we raise money that, and all of our money goes to benefiting women and girls in Weld County. And uh, our board is all volunteer. Um, the women on my board are incredible, incredible. These women are just um, hardworking, inspiring, wonderful women. And we all donate our time to raise the money and donate it. Uh, we spend a lot of time making sure that the charities that we donate to are offering a hand up and not a hand out to women and girls. Uh, which which I love. I'm also learning how nonprofits operate, which you know me, I love to anything, <laughs> have the opportunity to learn something new brings me joy. Um, so that's my favorite nonprofit. The other one that I help a little bit with is um, the Northern Colorado Medical Center does a yearly gala fundraiser. Um, last year we made oh, $175,000 all of that money goes straight to patients here at the hospital in Greeley who are bankrupt from their treatment. So if someone has cancer and they have to sell their house, they have to lose their job, they spend their entire life saving, fighting their cancer or their whatever they have, say it gets cured, okay, now what? You have no savings, no house, no job. You're basically homeless. You've, you, you're probably in debt because you've fought for your life. And so that money goes to those people. Um, And I I feel pretty uh, passionate about that. And the the third thing I do is the Colorado Oil and Gas Association um, board, which is uh, just, you know, staying involved with my industry. Yeah. It's always important to stay involved with your industry and also probably great networking opportunities, I would imagine. It is. All the money they raise goes to nonprofits in Will County, too, which I love. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, I guess my final question for you here um, is, do you think that you have matured as a business owner? Um, if so, in what way? What have you learned? I suppose I have, but I feel like I have so much more maturing to do. Um, I'm constantly just working on things. I, yes, I, I have matured, but I'm working on as a leader and as a business owner, um, in the middle of a storm when everybody's panicking and people are jumping off 
bored and people are drowning, they're looking at you to be calm and steady and provide a path out of the storm. And that is hard for me. I panic. (laughs) I panic with everybody. Sometimes I incite panic (laughs) because I'm passionate and I, I am just kind of spunky and spicy and, um, and so I am very consciously working on, um, staying calm, even if I'm freaking out on the inside, staying calm for my team and, uh, helping light the path forward. Don't panic. We've lost all of our oil and gas work. Yes, oil is at negative 20, but look, we can do some sewage pumping. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's that wonderful. I love that. Is there anything I missed that you missed that you'd like to add before we sign off here? When I was in college, after college, when I was in marketing and then sales and then starting my business, I didn't do any self-care. I worked myself into the ground and then I had my baby and I worked even harder into the ground. I was facing anxiety and depression and all kinds of things because I was so driven and so just, um, I, sure, you want me to wake up at 4 a.m. for for 30 days straight and work till 8 p.m.? Done. If it, You know what I mean? Like I just... I didn't have boundaries and I didn't make time for myself or to have fun. And so while so many influencers have these really impressive routines, I wake up and I work out for an hour and a half and then I journal and then I, you know, which is great. And maybe that's good for some people, but I almost had to do the opposite. I had to give myself the, um, uh, I can't find the word. I had to just give myself the leniency of, Look, if you feel like you're not getting enough time with Walker and you don't have any meetings and you want to go into the office an hour late so you can spend time with your son, do it. And I allow myself to do that now. Um, and that's something I would encourage somebody like you to do who is so hardworking and will do anything. Um, make sure you're carving out time for the things that make you happy and replenish yourself. Um, I do run. Uh, I try and run a mile a day, you know, I guess a few little things, but, but specifically, I mean, I, I have to work on making time for self-care. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm really enjoying going on these journeys with you and asking interesting questions. If there's something you want to learn about, let me know. Send me a DM and I will do a little investigating for you. You can find me on Instagram at Bright Eyed Lexi. Talk soon.